Saturday game for a change. I don't know how much this is worth, but then again, Jets won a game. Miami's minus two and a half at the New York Jets, still vying for a playoff spot. What do you make of all of this? Yeah, I think both teams, you're going to see max motivation. And late in the year, we'll be talking about this every week, which teams are fully motivated, which teams maybe not. And it's important to clarify, when we say a team isn't max motivated, we're not saying they're trying to throw the game, anything like that, but rather it's that last 10 minutes, right? It's Tuesday night, you're watching film, it's 8.30 p.m., do you watch just 10 more minutes? And the difference in the NFL, as we talked last week, a matter of inches, that can mean a lot. But I think because this is a big rivalry, we're going to see both teams max motivated. Matt Moore, not a huge downgrade. Obviously, the idea of Tannehill, he's the starter, he's the bigger name. Vegas is only downgrading Miami about a point and a half for Matt Moore. So pretty modest. But I think this is the stat of the week. Miami in December, 1-12 against the spread last 13. And if you go all the way back to 1989, so this is decades, Miami in December, 44-70 and 70 against the spread. These warm weather teams, once it gets cold, it is tough. And that's a key factor this weekend. So I would lean towards the Jets. Dallas, one of the biggest games of the week. They are plus, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are plus seven at Dallas. Explain that one. Yeah, let's talk about Tampa Bay Street. So, do you, first of all, do you believe in the Bucs? I haven't heard about your opinion yet. I believe in them defensively. I'm not sure about them offensively, but defensively, particularly over the last five games where they only given up 12.5 points per game and got 14 takeaways. I'm believing them in that regard. I agree with you. Last five games, as you said, right around th- a little less than 13 points. Week one through nine, Tampa Bay, 29 points a game. We might say, oh, is that they haven't really been playing anyone? Well, they were underdogs in four of the five of those games. So obviously tough games. I think it's all about defensive coordinator Mike Smith, formerly head coach at Atlanta. And this is what you see consistently year in and year out. When you have a new coordinator with a new scheme, the first half of the year, they tend to underperform because the team is still getting used to that scheme. Once people are pessimistic and down on them, that unit, they tend to overperform. And that's what we've seen here with Tampa. Let's talk offensively with Tampa is no doubt about it. Winston getting a lot of credit, getting a lot of love, you know, top pick in the draft. It's Doug Martin, a guy at running back, not a huge name, but quite a good back. When he's on the field with Winston, on a per-throw basis, Winston throws for about 40% more yards every throw. That's a huge, huge difference. Quickly, let's look at the Cowboys. Last two weeks, not good. On third down, 2 of 24 for Dak. I think it's the rookie wall is these rookies are not used to playing a 14th, 15th, 16th game. And I think that's a big factor for the Cowboys, especially with Elliott, another rookie. Is this just an aberration the last couple of weeks or is this a matter of them hitting the wall? I lean towards Tampa Bay getting the full touchdown. We're talking to R.J. Bell right here with Stephen A. Sirius XM Mad Dog Sports Radio. Let's go to the Detroit Lions at the New York Giants. Plus four, plus four. Explain that one. All right, Lions are the underdog getting the four. I think both of these teams are overrated, and it's for the same reason. 
close wins is close wins are oftentimes a coin flip. We see it all the time. 44-yard field goal, make it, you win, miss it, you lose. And yeah, we can say, oh, that kicker's clutch and all that, but really, they're coin flips. In close games, the Giants, less than a touchdown, 7-1. and one. That's great, but man, oh man, that's not sustainable. Then you look at Detroit. They've been behind in every fourth quarter except one this year. Only one time have they not trailed in the fourth quarter. And I think you could say, well, you know, Stafford's throwing so effectively. Maybe they can throw from behind better than the average team. And I think there's some truth to that. But still, you're not supposed to win all of those games. If just two of those coin flips went against Detroit, they'd be 7-6. and six, And the, the narrative would be very, very different. But here's the reason I love the Giants. I love them here. It's because if Stafford's finger, he hurt his finger last week. After that injury, he played horribly. I mean, really. Really bad, Stephen. After that injury. Now, if his finger is 100% this week, I think this line is about right. So if you bet the Giants, you know, lane four, four and a half, uh, it doesn't matter which team you have. I think the line's about right. But I think there's a real chance Stafford's still going to be less than 100%. And if so, I think the Giants are a great bet. If someone told me for sure that Stafford is less than 100% with that finger, I'd love the Giants here. So I don't know for sure, but I know there's a real chance, and that's the way wise guys think. If they have a 50% chance of a great bet and a 50% chance of a coin flip, they're going to take it. Giants. R.J. Bell right here with Stephen A. Series XM Mad Dogs. Let's keep it going. The Philadelphia Eagles plus six at the Baltimore Ravens. Too generous? Uh, I, t- I think this is disrespect for the Ravens, to be honest with you. Because if you really look at the record, I mean, Philly, we still have that lingering narrative, uh, you know, not totally, but somewhat in our head of, okay, you know, Wentz, he's pretty good. And, you know, the trend line probably isn't horrible. But this team is 2-8 and eight Philadelphia, their last 10. And you got a Baltimore team that played a really good game. Now, obviously, there were some special teams advantages against New England, and they got somewhat lucky. But, I mean, Baltimore is a playoff competitor at home. We talk about it all the time. Home field advantages were three. So they're only saying Baltimore about three points better on a neutral than Philly. I think that's showing a lot of disrespect for Baltimore. And I also think the fall. I haven't heard as much negativity about a head coach in the NFL as we're hearing about for the Eagles head coach. There's Explain. just no... Doug Peterson, what are you hearing in Vegas? Is he just wasn't ready? Is that you know the, the, the it was uh a superficial hire that they said, okay, this guy, you know, Andy Reid, Kansas City's doing well. He's the offensive coordinator. You know, Andy, or this offense seems really good. Let's hire him. And Andy Reid, obviously a good coach. But on the other hand, he wasn't even calling the plays in Kansas City. So you had a guy who wasn't even a full offensive coordinator. In name he was, but not really when it came to responsibility. And now you're making him the head coach? Now, I'm not saying, listen, I, I we always got to be sensitive 
of critiquing someone who is so he knows more. Peterson knows more football than I'll ever know. That's not the question. The question is amongst the 32 head coaches, how good is he? And right now he might be one of the worst. And that's something that the people that watch the tape here, here in Vegas and there's handicappers that watch the all 22. They really feel like they're getting out schemed week in and week out. So I, I actually lean towards Baltimore here laying the six. Washington was minus seven. Now it's been dropped to five and a half. I'm sorry, it was minus seven. Now it's five minus five and a half. It's Green Bay at Chicago. It's at five and a half. Why the drop? Well, a lot of Chicago money moving the line, and I agree with that move a lot. And here's why. First of all, let's give Aaron Rodgers some credit because, you know, we all have been questioning him, you know, earlier in the year, right? You were probably a little questioning, right, on air? Sure, sure. All right, we all were. If you look at it, though, 22 and 3 is his touchdown to interception ratio the last seven games. 22 and 3, that's amazing. So Green Bay's won three straight must win games, give him a ton of credit. Here's the thing, though is Aaron Rodgers' calf is less than 100%. Obviously, he's going to play. That's the expectation. But if you're laying a big number on the road and it's really cold, and remember, this is going to be the coldest game of the year is the projection so far is in Chicago. Do you really think if Green Bay gets up, let's say, you know, 10 to 3 or 17 to 10, are they really going to be pressing and and throwing a bunch? Are they going to sit on that lead and feel good that Barkley's not going to be able to bring Chicago back? So anytime you have a favorite who has a real inclination, Steve, and to be conservative when they get a lead, you've got to like the underdog. Because if you think about the possible outcomes, one is, hey, this is a really close game from start to finish. And if so, Chicago's a great bet, right? Getting, you know, let's say plus five and a half, plus six. But the other alternative is, well, Green Bay gets out to a lead. If they can't extend that lead, or at least they're not willing to take the risk to their quarterback to extend it, that leaves Chicago the chance to kick a late field goal and only lose by four. So it really is. If you're going to lay a big number, that team cannot be afraid to extend the lead. And I think Green Bay is disinclined to do that. That's why all the pros, or most of them, have bet the Bears. RJ Bell right here with Stephen A. Sirius XM, Mad Dog Sports Radio. Let's go to Indianapolis. They're plus four at Minnesota. What's up? Well, I think it's another sign of disrespect in this case I think it's for the Colts I mean but maybe not because I mean Minnesota seven and six I think these are two teams that quite frankly are a little disappointing I think they're both motivated though Zimmer is such a motivator I don't think you're going to see Minnesota not go the whole way I to me the real takeaway here is this this is pretty much a simple handicap Andrew Luck on the road in his career is 18 and 18 straight up at home 26 and 11 now, home field is is valuable, no doubt, but very few quarterbacks or teams have a split like that. 26 and 11 at home, 18 and 18 on the road. On the other hand, this new stadium for Minnesota is one of the best home field advantages in the entire NFL. Literally, we're talking about Seattle number one, Green Bay number two, New England number three, and likely Minnesota now number four. That wasn't the case before this new stadium. So you got a horrible road team with a really good home team, I would lean towards the Vikings. Tennessee plus five at Kansas City. I like the Titans here, and I I think it's another example of weather 
playing such a big role. So one of the trends that we've been following closely, and this is a great big picture trend for the listeners, is Southern teams, where the weather's usually you know not super cold, are 0-7 this year against the spread in the last three weeks when they play in cold weather. It's just... You know, it's just you just aren't used to it. And now what you got is cold, you know, that's super cold in Kansas City this week. So you might say, well, Tennessee is sort of southern. Does it apply? I don't think so. And here's why. What happens when you have to when it's so cold? You have to run the ball. Let's compare the running. Right. Tennessee, the third best running team in the NFL. We saw it last week, 180 yards against Denver. Tennessee, really good running. Kansas City, number 25, running the ball. So I think it is a situation where the cold is an advantage, actually, for Tennessee. And on the other hand, you've got this Kansas City team that in the last six games, they've been outgained by 543 yards. So think about that. Six games, almost 100 yards a game, they've been outgained, but they're 5-1. and one. Now, you might say, oh, it's the intangibles. It's Andy Reid. And I think there's some truth to that, but some of it is they're just getting somewhat lucky. So I think whenever you have a team whose record is better than how good they really are, you look to fade them. And I think Tennessee might be better than their record. So I'm going with the Titans plus five. I don't really care about the Jacksonville Jaguars, but there are some who do, and they are plus five and a half at Houston. Why? Give me the names of who cares about this game. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I, I, we're going to assume, right? So we'll do it quickly. That's right. So, so Jacksonville, five and a half, uh, underdog here. I mean, Houston's a type of team, literally, if you look at our Vegas power rankings, we rank them one to 32, the NFL teams, every week from a Vegas perspective. And right now we have Houston number 25. So not a very good team at all for being, you know, very competitive in the division. Impressive win last week. So we know they're going to, you know, being in the playoff hunt, they're going to be motivated. Jacksonville, you just got to wonder, I mean, quite frankly, about what the motivation is. The coach is out the door. Bortles looks like he might be out the door. This is one of those games, big question mark motivationally, so I would lean towards Houston. All right, here with Stephen A., Mad Dog Sports Radio, New Orleans plus three at Arizona. That makes it an even up. Yeah, so this is assuming these are even teams. I actually like Arizona here, two reasons. One, I think the Saints are on a sharp downtrend. I mean, even two weeks ago, Prior to the last two games, there was talk of the Saints being underrated, a potential sneaking in to make the playoffs. Their last two weeks have been their two worst games. That doesn't mean that continues, but that's concerning late in the year with an older quarterback. I mean, we saw it with Peyton Manning over the uh, last year and the year before. He played pretty well early, and then usually he slowed down late. Now, last year he got injured. And then he was able to take a break. But in general, these older quarterbacks get beat up throughout the year and they play worse later. So I think we're seeing some of that potentially with the Saints. On the other hand, Arizona, obviously their coach, very much a motivator, very much a type that's going to finish the season off, you would think, Bruce Arians. So it's that motivation edge for Arizona, Stephen, plus one other thing. 
Arizona has a sneaky good home field. We just ticked off the four best home fields with Minnesota being four. You know who's five? Probably Arizona. Here's a stat that backs that up. Since 2013, whenever they've played at home versus a non-division team, which means they're not familiar with Arizona Stadium because they don't play them every year there. Arizona in those games, 19-1 and straight up. 19 of 20. They've dominated non-division opponents. We're only laying three. I lean towards Arizona. San Francisco's plus 14 at Atlanta. Is that too low? I like San Fran here. Now, that that listen, obviously it's all about the 14. And the old saying is amateur bettors bet teams, professional bettors bet numbers. So I like the number here. I don't like San Francisco as a team. But here's why I like the number. I think Atlanta last week, that win against the Rams was so deceiving. They had two returns for touchdowns, you know, defensive-type returns for touchdowns. And I think the offense right now is a little thin at receiver. You know, Jones has been hurt. Sanu's been hurt. Their left tackle, Matthew's been hurt. I'm not, uh, you know, we don't know for sure and all those people who's going to play Sunday. But especially if Atlanta's thin at receiver, it's hard to lay over to, or two touchdowns if you're not going to be able to throw the ball well. I got a feeling Atlanta has a workmanlike victory here. Here, which means plus 14 is the smarter side with San Francisco. New England, minus three at Denver, big game. Yeah, I tell you, I don't lay points on the road. You know, we've done this for years now, Stephen, but I like the Patriots here. One, they're so good with revenge. Now, what's revenge? Revenge is the last time a team played another team, that other team beat them, right? So now you've got to get revenge. That's something back in the 80s and 90s, handicappers used to talk about all the time. I remember being in high school in the 80s, reading the handicapping magazines. It's true, I did. And it was revenge, revenge, revenge. And nowadays, coaches don't think as much like that. But man, oh man, Belichick does. When he has revenge against the team, 48 and 24 against the spread. He wins double as much as he loses when he has revenge. And obviously, Denver knocked them out of the playoffs last year, kept them from the Super Bowl. So a ton of revenge there. On the other hand, I look at Denver and I say, well, what was the makeup of that Super Bowl team? On one hand, it was a team that had an awesome defense, an all-time great defense, and they could run the ball like crazy. And passing was okay. Manning obviously wasn't the old Manning. Well, let's look at this year. This year, the defense against the pass for Denver is great. But against the run, they're below average. Let me say that again. Denver is below average against the run. Tennessee had 180 yards against them last week. We talked about that. Rushing. Number two, they can't run the ball. Since C.J. Anderson's been out, Denver has not been able to run the ball. Last week was pathetic. Denver, nine carries for 18 yards. Do you really let Simeon throw the ball 50 times off an injury if you have any thought that you can run the ball? So if you have an exploitable weakness, Belichick's going to find it. I have a feeling we're going to see the Patriots run the ball like 40 times in this game and, and really dominate. I would lean towards the Pats. Oakland, minus three at San Diego. Now, I know you don't like when I say this. I, I think the Raiders are one of the most overrated teams in the NFL. Now, why? 
a lot of close wins. That's something that is a reoccurring theme this week. When you win a lot of close games, that record just looks better than it, than it should be. But I actually like the Raiders here. Here's why. Because on one hand, you've got an overrated Raiders team. On the other hand, you have a decimated, and I mean decimated, San Diego team when it comes to injuries. They were really bad off anyway. And then they lost Melvin Gordon, a guy without a huge name yet, but he was having a Pro Bowl season at running back. Who's replacing him? A undrafted rookie is replacing him. So to me, that drop-off is so big, it trumps anything else. There's just no playmakers on the San Diego side. So I'm going to go with the Raiders laying the points on the road. By the way, on the road, this is fascinating. The road team in Raiders games. So when the Raiders are at home, that's their opponent, right? It's the road team. When the Raiders are on the road, they're the road team, obviously. 15-2 and two against the spread. So the Raiders are a good road team. I'll take them here laying the three. Minus three, the Steelers at Cincinnati. All right, so we've been talking motivation. You might look at Cincinnati and say they're out of the playoffs. They're used to playing in the playoffs. What's their motivation? Well, I think that late in the year with a disappointing team, you always want to find that one game that is like their Super Bowl, that if they can win that one game, usually against a rival, then they feel like, hey, it wasn't a good season, but at least we beat the Steelers. So I don't think there's going to be any question about Cincy's motivation. On the other hand, you can't forget how good Pittsburgh has been in Cincinnati. If you look at the stats, last 16 games in Cincinnati, 13 Two and one, one push against the spread. 13, two and one. So, why is that? Well, Big Ben is very comfortable in Ohio, and Cincinnati's only about three hours from Pittsburgh. Some people don't realize that. So, you get a ton of Steeler fans that travel. And I think with Cincinnati being out of the playoffs, there's a better chance of Pittsburgh fans getting tickets. So, I think the home field is worth less than you might think here. The absence of A.J. Green's a huge deal. He might be the most valuable non quarterback in the NFL. That might shock some people. But he is so important to this Cincinnati offense. So I don't love it because three is a big number on the road. But I would lean Pittsburgh. <sighs> Washington uh, was plus four and a half. Now plus six and a half. Carolina at Washington. Wh- what caused that sigh right there, Steven? I don't know. <laughs> no, I was thinking it was Washington, but it says was, and then now it says now. Oh, yes, yes, one. yes. So that's what I like to do is send you when there's a big line move because that's a sign of a bunch of money, and what we've seen here is a bunch of money on Washington, and I think it makes sense. We've talked about motivation. You really got to wonder what is the motivation for Carolina here. They got embarrassed by Seattle on Monday night. So they felt like they had to redeem themselves. They stepped up and did last week. Kudos. And I know it's Monday night football, but still Cam Newton, you know, big questions about his effort level. Does he really want to get hit? Right? Because Cam Newton, when he doesn't run the ball, is an average quarterback at best. When he runs the ball, we saw last year, he can be elite, right? Not every week, but he can be elite. 
does he really want to run the ball in what effectively is a meaningless game? If so, I'll tip my hat to him. History tells me he won't very much, and if he doesn't, that's a big negative for Carolina. I think that's one of the reasons there's been a bunch of Washington money. Last thing on this game is Coach Rivera, and if you listen to the press conferences, you read the accounts, you really get a feel what these coaches feel. He said his offensive line situation, quote-unquote, is catastrophic. So when you have a coach using words like that, that's a sign. Not only is their center out, their second-string center is out. Horribly banged up Carolina's offensive line. I like Washington less than a touchdown over Carolina. 